I need you to put your arms out like this. And when I throw the ball, you catch it. You ready? Here we go. Good shot. Let's go, team. Come on. Good job. Good job. Go. Go. That's my boy. How's that? Tight. That's how it's supposed to be. You want to be the one giving a hit, not taking it. Welcome back to the national championship. Games back on. Come on, come on. That's what I'm talking about. Did you see that? That's a late hit. Touchdown, Wildcats. Wildcats, our national champion. To go out like this in your senior year as a national champion has to be an incredible feeling. It's unbelievable. Is there anything you'd like to say to the folks back home? Uh, actually, there's somebody I want to give a special shout-out to. Hi, Mom! Good morning. Welcome to church. Happy Mother's Day. Would you stand with me? So good to be back with you. Let's sing about God's greatness. Who works the power of sin and darkness? Who's always mighty? So much stronger, the King of Glory, the King above our King. Who leaves the fretted in awe and wonder? Who leaves the fretted in awe and wonder? The King of Glory, the King above our King. Sing with us. This is amazing grace. This is a family love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free.
God today for this reckless love that pursues you, that chases after you, that will not relent because of his great love for us. Let's sing together. He is jealous for me and he loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh, 
how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so Again, he is jealous for me, and he is jealous for me, and he loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Oh, and all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. a time of prayer. Um, you can have a seat. You can come to the altar. Whatever you feel like the posture is that you want to take as you approach um, our Lord this morning. Let's pray. 
will you do me a favor and just before we start to pray just think these words inside your head I am loved by the creator of the universe just think about the weight of that as we go to him in prayer God, we come to this place this morning, and for many of us, we sing these songs, and we know, we've heard about your love, but, you know, sometimes we think that's for the people that have it all together. Sometimes we are so aware of our shortcomings and our failures, that we just have such a hard time believing that you, God, the creator of everything, would even consider loving us, and yet you do. And so this morning we come with grateful hearts. We come with such thankfulness that we get to walk with you, and you walk with us. That you love us so, so deeply. Lord, today I'm reminded of so many of our friends here at church who over the next week or in coming weeks will have um, just medical things to deal with. And Lord, we just pray that you will be present in all of that. Pray that your healing touch will be on each of them as they um, take next steps toward health. And this morning especially, God, we are thankful for those women in our lives who have been moms to us. Whether or not they were our mom, we're thankful for those, but so many of us have other women in our lives who have spoken words of life and love and acceptance and so many good things into us. And so this morning, we're thankful for the people that you put in our lives who make such a difference. Will you help us to be that kind of person? Will you, will you help us to be that kind of church, those kinds of people who invest in others' lives like so many have done for us? We are so grateful, Lord, for how you love us. Help us to show your love to others. We love you. Amen. To all the moms, moms of children who are still at home or all grown up, moms who've outlived a son or daughter, or moms of babies they never got to hold, moms who've raised kids all on their own or became a mom to someone who needed one, Moms of children who have wandered from God, or the longing to be moms who are still waiting. God perfectly arranged each of you into the role you have today. His word recognizes you as capable, strong, and praiseworthy. Everything you do makes our lives more beautiful. Happy Mother's Day.
Well, welcome, friends. We're so glad that you're here on this very beautiful day. It's hard to be inside when you just kind of want to run outside and soak it all in because it's so beautiful out there. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you glad we live in Florida? Oh, my God can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Hey, wanted to let you um, in on some of the things that are going on over the next little uh, bit, over the next few weeks. Um, first of all, we have baptisms coming up, and if you missed the meeting last week about baptism, it's okay. There's still time. Um, so this is the plan. We have some folks who are planning to, um, on Pentecost Sunday, we'll do what we call affirmation of baptism. And this is for people who have already been baptized, maybe as a child um, or an infant, and you have made a decision for yourself since then that you want to be a follower of Jesus. So we will um, walk through that with you um, as a way to publicly say to the church that you want to follow Jesus, that this is your decision now to follow Jesus. And so we're going to do that on Pentecost Sunday, which is May 23rd. Um, so I don't have the church calendar locked in. Um, and then in June, we're going to do beach baptisms. Doesn't that sound glorious? So we're going to do some beach baptisms in June. Um, so if you are interested, there is still time. So let us know soon so we can let you know what that's going to look like, okay? Um, and then wanted to let you know. All right, so happy Mother's Day, y'all. Um, as a, thanks, thanks. Um, so as a gift to you, um, because I don't know if you're like me. Oh, <laughs> because we know that you want pictures of your kids, right, or your family, or your people, or your cat, um, <laughs> so um, or your puppet. That was a picture family picture with a with a puppet that was really freaky (laughs) it's creepy (laughs) so um we won't take a picture like this of you but um we are giving you a free mini session for you and your family or if you're really silly by yourself just you, like a big, por- I'll, I'll do a portrait of you, and then you can blow it up, like, really big and send it to your kids, like, especially if they're in college, like, send it to them so they can hang it up in their dorm room or over their fireplace or something like that. Wouldn't that be nice? So maybe a cardboard cutout or something like that. We could do that, right? So, <laughs> so you'll be getting this on the way out um, just as a way to honor you because we know, moms, you're notorious about taking the picture but not being in the picture. So we're going to make sure that you're in the picture. Okay, so we'll give you time to get your people together if you want to or to schedule that personal photo session. Glamour shots maybe? I don't know. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, th- that's actually not as, you know, that's, that's not a thought that's too far. I don't know. So in the Spanish culture, you know how we got the sweet 15, the quinceañeras? What they do, especially for my wife is from, she's Cuban, if you walk in anybody's house that has a daughter who's over 15 years old, they have a huge picture of them on the wall. It's how it is always. And so uh, when, when my, my wife's dad moved back to Cuba, guess what I have sitting in my garage? A huge picture of my wife when she was 15 years old. And so it's not that far-fetched. I might have her come and just, you know, update it with a new one of just, just her by herself. And so 
guys, welcome again this morning if you're here, especially joining us online. Uh, we here at Port Orange Church and Nazarene, we, we practice passing the peace with one another. We come here this morning and we worship a wonderful and amazing God that truly, you know, we can't, we, we, we don't even realize it. I can't even put it into words truthfully. If I could sit here and articulate as many words as I can, I cannot express how amazing God truly is. Uh, but not only do we come here to worship that God uh, and to be at peace with him, but we come to be at peace with one another. And so we practice here passing the peace to one another. And it's not the kind of peace that you just say like, hey, peace. Uh, but it's a peace that God gives to us that passes all understanding. Uh, that the storm could be going around in your life and you could just say, man, I know God's got it taken care of. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's that peace that he gives us. You know, I, I, went, I went in the other day and, uh, you know, little, I, I, you guys have questions later on, but I put in a two weeks notice this week. And, uh, and, 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 my, and my boss was like, oh, are, you, are you okay? I said, I'm okay. I'm okay. You, got something, you got something planned? God's got it. God's got it. And it's that true peace that, that really just, no matter what's going on, you know that God's going to take care of it. And so the peace that God has granted me and some of us in here, a lot of us, I pass it to you guys. May I be the first ones. May the peace of the Lord be with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Go and pass that peace to one another. If you're online, tag somebody. Uh, let them know. Peace be with you. Guys, 30 seconds to pass the peace is not enough. We want to welcome you guys after church service is over with. It is okay to congregate and, uh, and, and, and just to, you know, catch up, talk to one, with one another. You know, we want to slowly uh, get back into things as long as it's safe. And so, um, you know, we definitely want to invite you guys to stay after uh, service. Uh, but we come to a time in the service where we get to uh, continue our praise and worship. And see, praise and worship is not just in singing, uh, but it's, it's in many different forms, in many different ways. And one of them that we want to extend that opportunity to you guys in is in our tithes and offerings and our giving. Um, and I've said it time and time again, but let it sink deep in your hearts and in your, in your minds this morning. You know, there's only, I, I, I can only think of so many different ways that we can give to the God. And this is just one easy way that we're able to, that he says, hey, look, here's an opportunity after all I've given you that you were able to give back to me. And it says ministries into his, uh, to his kingdom. And so as we begin to uh, continue in worship, let's pray for his blessing. Father, be with us this morning. Guide our hearts, Lord. Uh, Father, bless the mothers this morning. Lord, this is a day that, uh, that we give them, you know, a little bit of appreciation. But, uh, Lord, they are 24-7, seven days a week moms. And, Lord, this is one day out of the year that we appreciate them. And so, Father, I pray this morning for the mothers. I pray this morning for the, the tithes and offerings that we give. Father, I pray for the ministry that you have for this church, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would expand it, and bless this time that we have here, Lord. Bless the giver. May they give cheerfully. In Jesus' name. Amen.
just a reminder that part of our offering um, is the Good Neighbor offering, and that's uh, the offering that we give to help those who are in need. Um, and so we've got a special Good Neighbor offering this month to, uh, to help the Bowens um, as Dusty continues to recover, and I know that they don't like me mentioning it, but too bad. We love y'all. We love y'all. Okay, um, well, let's uh, go to the word this morning. Will you pray with me our prayer for understanding? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Amen. So this morning we are going to begin in the Old Testament um, in a little book called Micah. It's only seven chapters long, so it's easy to kind of flip over. Um, But it is near the end of the Old Testament, and so you can look for it there, or if you're on your Bible app, that might be even easier to find. It's okay to look in the table of contents, by the way. (laughs) I have to. um, We are in Micah and um, in chapter 6, and I'll just be reading verses 6 through 8. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearly calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? It'd be a little difficult for us these days, right? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And then um, just a few pages over, actually, in the New Testament, and we're in Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. And this is a passage where Jesus calls one of his disciples. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Mother's Day. I got to tell you, um, I have two sisters, and we always have this little friendly competition over who's going to say Happy Mother's Day or Happy Father's Day, Happy Birthday. Who's, who's going to notify everyone first? And my little sister, Christy, she is always first. But today, I am the first one to live stream a happy birthday to my mother. I'm, I, wait, what did I just say? Well, that's in July, so I'm the first to do that, too. <laughs> happy birthday, Mom. She's at home right now in Ohio watching. I hope you have a great birthday, and I hope it's everything you could have hoped. I hope it's even better than your Mother's Day. <laughs> that was offered by my sister. So we have been in the book of Matthew chapter 5, and we have been working through the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, we've been going at a somewhat slow pace because there's so much there to take in. And so um, we're, we're going to be back there. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, we'll get there in a minute. And um, we've been talking about the, what we want to do is we want to look at Scripture through the lens of, of two questions. And we want to know, you know, who's hearing these words? And what's the setting? And honestly, that can be true for any part of Scripture. I mean, we understand that, that there are different types of writing in the Bible. You've got historical writings, you've got poetry, you've got gospel accounts, you've got letters that are written, and each one has to be seen through a different lens, and you can't look at everything in the same way. So you need to always be asking, who, what's the purpose of the writing? Who, who is talking and who is being spoken to? And what's the setting, what's going on in the world around that would cause this conversation or this writing to be necessary? Does that make sense? So, we started off and we were talking about how this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is taking place right after Jesus proclaims his mission. And we talked about it, if you'll recall, it's Matthew four seventeen, And basically Jesus says... It says that his mission is to tell people, repent, turn around, go the other way. You're heading this way, go this way. You're heading towards death, head towards life instead. You're, you're heading towards these kingdoms of the world that won't get you anything. Repent and turn around because the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what your aim needs to be. And we talked about right after that is when Matthew, the account of Matthew talks about Jesus calling some disciples. You'll recall he called four fishermen. These nobodies. I mean, nobody was going to them to ask for their advice. Nobody had them on the short list of, man, I sure hope that that smelly fisherman can be my disciple. And yet, that's the, per, the people that Jesus went to. And then at the end of chapter 4, we see that Jesus is starting to amass this crowd and this following. And who is in the crowd? And we need to know that because that's going to help us answer our first question, who's Jesus talking to? And the crowd is full of the poor, the broken, the homeless, the discarded, the unloved. And it's too this group of people that Jesus speaks these nine blessings. 
And so we read in Matthew 5, 1, that Jesus goes up on the mountainside and he sits down and his disciples sit by him and then the crowds come. And Jesus going up the mountainside is a nod to Moses who in Exodus went up the mountainside to hear from God so that he could speak for God. And now we have this Jesus who is God speaking. And what does he do? He shocks them with these nine blessings that have changed the game forever. And he starts off and he says, you're blessed when you're poor. Which would not have made sense in that culture. And to be honest, it doesn't make much sense in any culture. But Jesus said, you're blessed if you're poor, and, and just a step back, Jesus is not saying you need to be poor. Jesus is saying this blessing is for everyone and it extends to all people, even the people that you wouldn't expect. You're blessed if you're poor. And, and we talked about maybe one of the reasons Jesus started off with this blessing to the poor is because when you have nothing in your hands, it's easier to grab on to the hands of Jesus. You remember we talked about the more things you have once you get your house and your family and your car and your job. And the more things that you accumulate, the harder it is to give it all up. And maybe one of the reasons Jesus began these blessings to the poor is because Jesus understood they needed it more than anyone. And they were most likely some of the most receptive people. So you're blessed when you're poor, poor in spirit. And then he said, you're blessed when, you're, when you mourn. You're blessed when you're aware of the brokenness in the world and you don't just ignore it. You don't anesthetize yourself and just Netflix the night away. You're blessed when you allow what you are seeing going on to affect you deeply. And you're able to do that because of this this meekness that you have. And you're blessed when you're meek. And and you don't think too highly of yourself. And you understand that, well, I mean, how many times have we have we said, you know, you know, but for the grace of God. We we understand that we could also be in that situation. We don't think too highly of ourselves. We understand that every good and perfect gift comes from God, and it is nothing that we have done to accumulate or to achieve. It is all a gift. And so we don't think more highly of ourselves than we should, which feeds into us being allowed to mourn with those that are hurting. And, and this, this longing is like, like a thirst. And you know what it's like when you've been out mowing the lawn or you're, if you run races or something like that and you get this thirst and it's just, it's, it feels like it's unquenchable. And you've got to do something right then. You can't just let it continue to be that way. And you thirst for righteousness. You see the wrong going on in the world and you're just not satisfied letting things stay the same. You're just never going to be 
satisfied. Your thirst for righteousness, your hunger for righteousness is never going to be satisfied until God sets things right, which God has promised to do. And so you're longing for that day in meekness as you mourn with those, especially those that are poor and broken. And then we get to today's scripture, and it's Matthew 5, verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And it reminds me, first off, of, um, well, it makes me think of forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive those that sin against us. There's this, it's not a works-based thing, but there's definitely a relationship between this giving and receiving, you're blessed when you're merciful. And the people that give mercy are the people that are going to be receiving mercy. Does that make sense? And mercy is a, a word that we throw around in the church. You know, we use a lot of big church Christianese words like mercy and salvation and grace. And we have all these words that we assume that, uh, oh, we all know. But I want to I give you just what I think is a very good example of what mercy is in today's um, culture. And so take a look at this. You may recognize uh, this guy. This is um, a video from the Associated Press. Ticket was issued at 9.59. There's uh, right. 9.59 and 58 seconds. And you can't park there until 10 o'clock. And you violated the city ordinances. These are the city ordinances, Inspector Quinn, that she violated. That point, that point two will get you every time, Judge. Why have we gone viral? And I, and I think it's because uh, people are so accustomed and conditioned to the institutions of government coming down, you know, hard on them without regard for any personal situations. You know, life is difficult at best. Because my son was recently killed last year. So they cut my check because Who? he had old money. I'm going to reduce this to uh, $50. How much time do you need to pay it? I have it on me now. All right. That's not going to leave it without any money, is it? I'll leave it with $5. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm not going to leave you with $5. I'm not going to leave you. I'm, go I'm going to dismiss everything. I am particularly sensitive when youngsters come into the courtroom because I think that the conduct of a jurist in the presence of youngsters can shape their thinking in a way that may affect their future, particularly their attitude toward the institutions of government. Your mom is charged with parking on the sidewalk, okay? And that fine is $100. So you, even ha you have not had breakfast today. Thank you. Oh. Well, suppose I make a deal with your mom, okay? That if she buys you breakfast when you leave, that I'll dismiss, the, I'll dismiss it. Is that a good deal? 
And I think I should take into consideration whether somebody is sick and whether their mother died and whether they have kids who are starving and whether all of those real life situations, you know, are so important to me, right? Notice, I don't wear a badge under my robe. I wear a heart under my robe. Every one of those people was guilty, right? I mean, nobody was denying their guilt. And yet, the person who could give justice instead chose mercy. My heart breaks every time I see that girl and she says, he says, can you afford $50? Yes, I can. How long will it take you? I can pay it today. Will that leave you with anything left? She says, $5. And then, then she says, thank you. And he goes beyond mercy and extends even more mercy. He says, I'm not even going to leave you with that. No. We're wiping this debt out. Mercy is these acts of compassion, these acts of care to people that are hurting, to people, well, you extend mercy even when it's not deserved. You extend mercy especially when it's not deserved. You're blessed every time you're in a situation where you can do that. You're blessed every time you can look past justice and see mercy. I've been thinking a lot this week about all those times in Scripture when Jesus is confronted with the prostitute, when Jesus is confronted with the Samaritan, when Jesus is confronted. It didn't matter who was in front of Jesus. More times than not, he says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I'm not going to fault you and condemn you for what you've done. I'm giving you a brand new start right now. Now live life differently. Now repent and turn around because the kingdom of heaven, I am near. This is what it means to be merciful. This is what it means to show mercy. It means that we see people and situations not through our own eyes, but we see them through the eyes of Jesus. And it changes everything. It allows us to live into the words of Micah to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. This is what it means. To do that, I want to tell you one story. It's going to be a short sermon. One story about a guy named Inquan. Inquan Kim. It starts. The story starts in the city of, or in the in the kingdom of Tonga. Now, what you need to know about the kingdom of Tonga is there is a mindset in the kingdom of Tonga that is very similar to the Jewish mindset that Jesus would be facing in those days. And what I mean is this. If you are born, if you have a child that's born in, in Tonga, 
and there is a disability, it is seen as God's punishment to the parents. Their child has this infirmity because of something the parents did. It reminds me of the passage, I don't remember, I think it's Mark 9, I don't know. Don't, don't hold me to that. But you'll remember it, where they see the, the disabled person and the disciples ask, why is the guy this way? Whose sin is it? Is it his sin or is it his parents' sin? And Jesus says, no, the person is that way so that, why? So that I condemn him? No, so that God's glory can be seen. So that, so that redemption can take place. So that compassion and mercy can happen right here in front of you. So, in the kingdom of Tonga, if you have a child that's born with a disability, the curtains are immediately drawn. And it, it is said that most children that are born with a disability will never leave the room into which they were born. They will live their lives in that spot where they were born with the curtains drawn with only their mother there to help them. No outside world, no outside contact, nothing. Well, in 2005, the Church of the Nazarene stepped in, and this isn't to toot the Church of the Nazarene's horn, but they began something very beautiful. They launched the Mango Tree Center, and it is a center specifically for disabled children, specifically for the many kids in Tonga that suffer from cerebral palsy. And so many of them are unable to move, and so they began simply by collecting wheelchairs. We want to get these kids out of the only room they've ever known. Let's get some wheelchairs. And so they started getting wheelchairs, and they started doing miraculous things. Let me show you a picture. This is Inquan and his wife, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, Jong Suk, and their child. And so they started a ministry called the Mango Tree Center, and they collect wheelchairs. And, and they went in with the mindset, we're not here to change Tonga. We may not be able to fix the macro situation. But we can work on the micro situation. We can, we can help the person that's right in front of us. We may not be able to fix everything, but we can fix the issue that we see. And so that is what they did. And they started off, and Inquan wasn't there yet. It started in 2005, and in 2007, the, the person that started the center decided it was time to retire. And the coordinator for the region said, we've got to find someone who can take the place of these people because this is too valuable a ministry not to continue. And so they began to pray, and Inquan's name came to mind. And so they invited Inquan to come visit Tonga and look around. And, and so what happened is the airplane landed, and he came down the airplane steps with, I've been told, like a 1980s camcorder. And, like, he's just recording everything. And he's going around, and the coordinator is like, okay, um, all right. And so they went, and they started visiting people, and they started looking at the center, and they started talking about things. And the coordinator said, 
it soon felt very clear that Inquan was not the right person for the job. There just was a disconnect. He just, it, it just felt like he wasn't getting the vision of the situation. He was too consumed with his camcorder and looking around, and he was asking questions, but they weren't the questions that the coordinator thought was the good questions. He was just, you know, and so... So a couple days passed, I think it was the third day, and they were getting ready to send Inquan back. He was getting ready to tell him, you know what, thanks for coming to Tonga. I hope you had a good time, but we just feel like maybe God is sending us in a different direction. But before they did, he said, i got one last stop. You know, we're going to swing by and visit some kids. So they pulled up to a shack that you could probably push down with a strong wind or a strong back. And they got out of the car, and the smell, the stench was overwhelming. And they started walking toward the house, and the coordinator said, no, 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 not in the house. It's it's in a, a building out behind the house. The children would never be in the house, not with disabilities. So they rounded the corner, and the stench almost blew them over. And they get to the door, and they knock, and the little lady opens it up, and it's the mother. She opens up the door, and from the door well, they could see two 18- to 20-year-old twin boys lying on the ground, lying in the dirt, in their filth, lying with no one ever seeing them except for their mother. And the coordinator said he was about to turn and start to talk about the situation, and before he did, Inquan shoved the camcorder into his chest, ran in, hopped down in the middle of these twin boys in their filth, in the bodily fluids, in the dirt, and he would roll to one and just stroke their face. And he'd hold their hand and just tell them how loved they were. God loves you so much. You're so precious. And then he'd, he'd roll to the other one. Do you know how precious you are? God loves you so much. I love you so much. I'm so honored to be here with you. Small acts of compassion. to the merciful. Jesus in this verse is not asking us to fix everything. Jesus in this verse is not asking us to tackle social justice or or homelessness or the nine million people that die every year from hunger. or any other macro situation you can think of. What Jesus is saying to us today is, blessed are the people that see the hurt in front of them, and they act in mercy. It's the little acts of mercy. It's the little acts of kindness that will change the world.
I don't know if the video or if Inquan's story connected with you. I haven't even told you the best part. Uh, well, not no, this isn't the best part. Another part. He, he did get the job. Yeah, that, that's actually him. He started in 2007. They began as a ministry, and in November of 2019, so we're talking 2005 to 2019, 14 years later, they had their first gathering from the ministry, from reaching the community, a church was birthed. Full of people that had been thrown out, discarded, seen as nothing or useless. God's salvation is coming to those people. I don't know how those stories are hitting you. I'll tell you how they hit me. I see violence in the world. Goodness. You know, it's like we took this break with COVID and now we're coming back like with a vengeance with gun violence. You see road rage. We're we're obsessed with consumerism. We're angry with everyone all the time. And here's where I have been struggling this week. I can't blame the world for acting that way if I have not shown them a better way. What if they are acting without mercy because they have never seen someone show them mercy? I can't fault them for acting the way they act. That's our default nature because we're all born with this selfish, sinful nature that says it's about me. And if no one has ever shown them this mercy that says you're forgiven, Jesus loves you and forgives you, Go and sin no more. Repent, turn around, and go a different way. You don't have to be the way you were. If no one has extended that mercy, I can't get mad at them for acting the way they act. I've been struggling this week because I feel like the church has been guilty of not doing what we're called to do. We've done a really poor job of showing mercy. And it looks, it can look like a hundred different ways. It's, consent, it's condemning the lifestyles of people instead of reminding them that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's, it's labeling people with political party labels instead of sitting across from them at a table and sharing a meal and realizing that there is much more in common that there, than there is that separates us. The one that's really been getting me is I find that I show mercy the least under my roof. I love my kids, but sometimes... Just kidding. They're actually helping me today with the live stream. I love you. (laughs) No, but you you know what it's like. It's like you feel like you have to be a certain way with everyone outside the house, and then you get home and you can let your guard down, and what comes out? a lot of times is the worst version of you. 
Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just speaking to me and you guys don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I find that where I should be most showing mercy to my spouse, to my kids, is where I often have the shortest fuse. And I don't want my girls to see that in me. Because they will imitate what they see. They are learning every day whether I'm trying to teach them something or not. And I want them to see the love and mercy of Jesus. The video, I'm going to close with this, the video that of Judge Caprio, it reminded me of two things. Number one, showing mercy, I love how he said it, basically he said showing mercy shapes the attitude of everyone. He said it this way, this is a quote from the video, I'm particular, particularly sensitive when young people come into the courtroom because I think that the conduct of a jurist in the presence of youngsters can shape their thinking in a way that may affect their future, particularly their attitude towards the institution of government. In the same way, we, as a body of believers, must be mindful when people that are hurting come into our lives because it is the conduct of we, the people, the church. It is the conduct of us that they will look to. Particularly, not just people that go to church, but people that claim to be Christ followers. They are looking to us to see if we will display mercy And how we act will affect their future, particularly in the way they think about God, particularly in the ways that will shape their attitudes and beliefs for all things spiritual. I want them to see, I want people to see that we have a God that loves them and is merciful and doesn't just want them to escape here to go somewhere else, but that the kingdom of heaven is near and their lives can be different. Jesus didn't say to the prostitute, you're forgiven, hopefully someday I'll see you in heaven. He said, no, go and sin no more. He brought heaven to earth to that person right then by changing their lives in that moment. And I want people to see in our actions, by the way we live, that they too can experience this foretaste of heaven. Oh, what a glory, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. They can have that here, now. The second thing is this. I love how he said, I don't wear a badge under this robe. I wear a heart. Church, we are not called to explain the wrath of God to everyone. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
Do you hear Micah 6, 8 in that? We are called to do justly, but to love mercy. And we are called to walk humbly with our God wherever it takes us. Understanding that the path of Jesus always leads to the hurting, the mourning, the poor, the people that need the mercy of God the most. And if we are going to be with Jesus, we must be with them because that's where Jesus is. Because that's where Jesus found us. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, I love receiving your mercy, but I don't always do a good job of showing it. Pray that you'll forgive me. My children need to see better examples. pray that you'll be with each of us. It's my prayer that your spirit has been speaking to people today and that you have brought to mind people that need a little bit more of your mercy that they can show mercy to. Or words that were said without your mercy that maybe we need to go and mend some fences. God, I pray that your spirit is moving in our hearts so that we can be more like you. This is our prayer, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. We're going to come to the table, so I want to give you an opportunity. If you didn't uh, grab your elements when you came in, please feel free to do that. Don't feel um, awkward doing that. When when Garen was telling the story about the twins, I thought about um, I thought about the people who could who could understand the twins' circumstance, but on a spiritual level. Uh, People who recognize, who recognize just how dirty they are, who recognize that they're kind of living in their own mess of things. Can I tell you this morning, that Jesus is crawling up next to you to let you know that you are loved. He's crawling up next to you saying you are precious. And he's crawling up next to you to give you a second chance. Mercy. A second chance. Today, can be that day for you. On the night that Jesus would be betrayed and he would uh, experience such loss and pain, 
because you are precious and loved. He was gathered with his friends, and and he took the bread, and he broke it. And he told them, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take it and eat. And a little later, he took the cup and he said, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you for your forgiveness, for your second chance. Take it and drink. Be thankful. Lord Jesus, We pray that we are changed today. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? And let's sing our benediction. And then y'all need to go out and have a great day. I think that would be good. Love on your moms if they're around. Remember your moms if they're not with you. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good day. Let's, let's sing together. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim Let your will be done in us. Go in God's mercy to be merciful.